The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now. Yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder. But others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the rule of the world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, praise God. And before we dive into these amazing, profound readings today, which I hope to break open, uh, you're probably wondering when you walked in, why are the statues covered? Why do we have purple ghosts in the sanctuary? So, well, just a reminder, so during the fifth Sunday of Lent, all of the statues in our churches are covered up. In a sense, it's to create a, a desert a sense of void, of emptiness, which is why during Lent we're not allowed to use flowers in our sanctuaries, why it's, it's supposed to be barren here. Because remember, in Lent we are mimicking our Lord's suffering in the desert for 40 days when He fasted and prayed. And so Lent is supposed to be a sense of barrenness. And so to highlight that during the fifth Sunday of Lent, as next Sunday is already beginning of Holy Week, is to create a deeper sense of emptiness, of void. In contrast to Sunday of Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the great resurrection triumph of Jesus Christ, 
part of the decorations, which is why the, if you saw the signs coming in, this is time of year we ask for donations of our Easter lilies. Remember those beautiful flowers? And so, uh, so all of the florists in the local area, in fact, are prepared for their orders to contact the local florists to donate Easter lilies for the decorations for Easter Sunday. Because my hope, my grand hope, is that as barren and as empty as, 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 as this feels, Easter Sunday is supposed to be flourishing with, with beautiful flowers in contrast to that. So I want this place, hopefully, God willing, through, through your generosity, to make this look like a jungle. Right? I want monkeys swinging in here, giraffes running around here, because it would be so full, looking like a jungle full of Easter lilies, that this place will just be overpowering with beauty of the resurrection. So that's the contrast. Why? It's barren. Easter Sunday, flowering of God's grace. So please, if you're willing to donate for that, just contact the, the local florist here in Gray Eagle, um, Magnolia Moms in Gray Eagle, Addie's here in, in Portola, and they're ready. We have to have the orders in by next week so they can order it in and get here in time. So please donate to that, the glorification of the, of the Lord. Lent's almost over. Praise the Lord. Haven't eaten since the beginning of Lent, so, so I'm a bit famished. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The readings are starting to get intense. Have you noticed it? If you've been following along the readings now, as we're gearing up, as our Lord is getting ready to enter into Jerusalem, and we all know how that story ends, what's going to happen. And so everything now is moving towards that crescendo. Everything is going towards that end. And in fact, our Lord alludes to it here. He says this in, a, in a, this beautiful reading. He says, The hour has come. What is this hour? His entire life is in preparation for this hour. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. How? Glorified in what way? He mentions it. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. That phrase there, I am lifted up from the earth, is a very precise language of Jesus. Because if you remember a few chapters before, in the Gospel of John, John 3, verse 14, he says something very strange. He says, just as Moses was lifted up, again, remember the phrase, lifted up. As Moses was lifted up, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jim, don't worry about it. Must be lifted up. That same language, again, is, is paralleling what our Lord says here. What does it mean to be lifted up? As Moses was lifted up, the snake in the desert. He's alluding to now, in order to understand this language of lifted up, because remember, in order to penetrate what was lifted up and this glorification hour, you must first understand what our Lord was alluding to in, in Moses. Jump back to the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, we have a very particular situation, which our Lord refers to. 
The Jews are now in the desert. And in the desert for 40 years, they begin to complain about God. They begin to complain. And so in punishment, God sends snakes to them. And so as the snakes attack them and bite them, many of them die. And so he tells Moses, and I'll read Book of Numbers, chapter 21, verse 3 through 7. This is what God says to Moses. Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who was bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It is this moment which Jesus now refers to before he's glorified. Again, the question is, why does our Lord link the two? So notice, here's Moses, here are the Jews in the desert, they're complaining, they're dying, running in fear, and then God commands Moses, make a snake. The same snake which is attacking them, their greatest fear. Lift it up on a pole, this very snake which is attacking you, and when you look upon the source of your pain and your suffering, you'll be healed. Okay, now Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake, so will I be lifted up as Moses lifted up the snake. So what does that mean now then? The cross. As our Lord is lifted up on the cross now, what is the cross? If the cross wasn't covered up, I would point to it and say, look at it, (laughs) but it's it's not. On the cross, if we are to take the words of Jesus literally, like the snake in the desert with Moses, on the cross is our deepest pain, suffering, and fear. All of your pain, all of my pain, all of my suffering is on the cross. Now let's let's dive deeper into this. What what are some of your deepest pain and suffering? Loneliness is huge for us. Do you fear being lonely? You better believe it, all of us do. The greatest pain is to be alone. Was Jesus alone on the cross? Absolutely. Where was everybody who loved him? Gone. One of our greatest fears is to be betrayed by those whom we love. Was our Lord betrayed on the cross? Absolutely. For 30 pieces of silver, Jesus was handed over to them by Judas. Betrayed. So betrayal is there. Do you fear being rejected, all of you? Oh, that's one of our greatest motivators in life. We always try to fit in with the different crowds and different groups, don't we? Why we cower just to be a part, just to kind of be a part of something. Was our Lord utterly rejected? We see our rejection there on the cross. 
Many of us fear losing our livelihood, our jobs, our material wealth, our houses. Do you fear that? It's on the cross too. Because what possessions did Jesus have? Nothing on the cross. Literally, his shirt was stripped from him, from his very back. Had nothing. It's on the cross there. Do you fear physical pain? Yes, we all do. Our physical pain is on the cross. Because you have to remember, the cross was the Romans' brilliant engineering process in which to inflict as much pain on you as humanly possible. Our pain is on the cross. Do you fear your body? Ah, this is a strange one. Do you realize our body is a a source of tremendous pain and shame? Especially if our bodies don't match what the world says we should look like. And I looked it up, there was a study done, and it tracked the average American woman. The average American woman. You know how much the average American woman will spend on her face in her lifetime on makeup? $300,000. The average American, if she lives long enough, the average age, she will spend $300,000 just on her face. Why? We have one parishioner who gave up makeup for Lent. You know what she said? It was terribly hard of all the fasting and all of that. You know why she said it's hard? And I quote, she says, because she gave up eyeliner. I don't know if that's a big thing for women or not. I don't know. She gave that up. She says, it's painful. Why? Because without makeup, I feel like an old hag. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Because what is makeup doing? It's an attempt to cover up the source of our shame, our imperfections. Ah, brothers, but uh, I'm not just picking out the women. Guess how much we spend a year on hair loss products? (laughs) Shampoo, medication. Four billion dollars. Just to make sure our hair stays full and luscious. LeBron James himself, who's worth a half a billion dollars. If you look at pictures from when he was younger to his day now, everyone knows he had hair plugs done. Why is LeBron James, who's worth a half billion dollars, one of the greatest basketball players to ever live, to walk the earth, getting hair plugs? You know what hair plugs are? You remove hair from the back of your neck and you move it up here where, it's, where you're losing it. <laughs> He's trying to cover up the source of his shame. And as we get older and our bodies begin to fail, and we all know this, our bodies begin to betray us. Is our shame that our bodies cause many of us on the cross? Jesus was naked on the cross. His, all of his imperfection was laid out to bear for the whole world to see. Many of us fear getting made fun of. 
That's why bullying is such a horrible thing in schools, isn't it? Was Jesus made fun of on the cross? Oh, you better believe it. We even have the words, the insults that they used. Still recorded in the Gospels. You know what they said to Jesus? Jesus, you cured the sick, the lepers, and you can't save yourself from the cross? Come on, Jesus, come down from that cross. Come down, big boy. You think you're so powerful? Come down from there. They laughed, they mocked, and they jeered at him. You ever been made fun of? For your looks? For your color? Oh. That's there on the cross too. All of our fears and our sufferings, you can see there. Which is why is the beauty from the very beginning. When we, when we began to decorate our churches, the crucifix made it to the front and center. When you walk in, your first thing that you see is the cross. And if that's not enough, when you walk in, when we had holy water before COVID, what did you do? The first thing you did, you dip your finger to the holy water font and you trace the very sign of that cross on your body. It is as if God is doing. Now, here is the brilliance of it. God is forcing us to confront our deepest shame. Because what do we do with all of our shame? We hide it, don't we? We hide our shame. We hide our pain. Which is not new, by the way. Go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. What is one of the first results when Adam and Eve fell? One of the first results of, of sin was that, remember that beautiful part in Genesis when God was walking in the cool of the garden. And it said he was looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? They were hiding. And God said, why are you hiding? That's what you and I do with our shame and our suffering and our, and, and our pain that we have. We hide it. We numb it with alcohol, with drugs. We hide it with makeup. We hide it with hair products. We hide our shame. We, hide, we build massive edifices for ourselves as if to say, don't, don't look at my, my real self. Which, by the way, as modern people, we do not like silence. Try being silent for 10 minutes. Oh, you will hate it. Because we're no longer distracted by everything else, but we have to, in a sense, look inward. And oftentimes, what we see in our true selves, in the mirror, we do not like. And so what Jesus wants to do, he knows how wounded we are. And he says, you, we who are tempted to hide in the darkness, he says, no, come out. I will shine a light on your greatest pain and your suffering. And the beauty of it is that God will use the very shame which we are terribly afraid of, and will we use that, heal it, and use it for the redemption of humanity. Do you see this great hope now? Because while everybody else is hiding, Jesus says, no, confront the pain and the suffering, and I will heal you. Only in Jesus Christ can we truly be healed. Only in Him. He has the way, the truth, and the life.
John 14. Beautiful. And why later on? Now, here is the great, the great pinnacle of this moment. John now writing in his letter, chapter 4, verse 18. And all of this fear and all of this angst that we have, look what John says. Perfect love casts out all fear. What is the greatest act of love that humanity has ever seen? The crucifixion. This is the greatest act of love ever. And so the more now, now related to the Moses now with the bronze serpent, look upon that which you fear. Jesus now on the cross, look upon which we're all ashamed of. Look upon it and I will take your greatest darkness and I will transform it into my marvelous light. The resurrection, my brothers and sisters. See, this is why this is the great hope of Christianity, why it's much more than just being nice. What Jesus wants for you and me is to heal our darkness. I don't know about you, but I got some darkness in my heart. I got some shame in my life. I got some wounds that are festering, pus coming out all over the table. That's my life. And I know you got it too because you're human. And Jesus wants to take that pus, those wounds, and to transform it. And to stop hiding it. My friends, Jesus comes to heal us precisely through the pain. Now look at the cross in that way. Do you see you on there? Jesus Christ has come to destroy it all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.